0: The true phrase, if you will, should be quality over quantity, but quantity begets quality. So you understand that you need to make a lot and don't worry about whether it's good or not. Your goal is actually not to make something good. It's just to make something. And I think that is the first place that you could start is how do I just iterate and iterate and iterate. And I'm not trying to necessarily make anything that is the final version. I'm just trying to make more because every time you make something you're learning. And so what, you know, I'm a fan of math and logic and philosophy and all that. What it boils down to is the more you make mathematically, statistically, the probability that you'll
1: get somewhere worth going increases. That wisdom was from Mr. Joey Caffone. Now If you have ever journaled, or as I do nearly every day uh, in what I call morning pages, been a journaler for a long time, a sketchbooker, um, if you've ever heard of the brand Baron Fig, that is the company that uh, Joey founded and is the CEO of. Lifelong designer prior to that turned uh, founder and CEO of Baron Fig. And he has a new book out called The Laws of Creativity, which is full of wisdom and insight. As someone who has written uh, at length on creativity, I have a a very high bar for other books on creativity. And Joey, the human, and his most recent uh, work of genius called The Laws of Creativity is absolutely worth your time. Today's conversation, so rich and very, very tactical. These laws of creativity are, uh, it's one of the things I love about. The book and this particular show today is it's incredibly actionable. Um, in his own words, this show is for people who are I identify as creators, and as he, I think he says something about being able to um, help you channel your creativity into the most uh, prolific, profound, uh, and impactful outputs. But also, if you are on the fence or you identify as creative or you're creative curious. Uh, Today's episode is especially valuable. So uh, I'm going to get out of the way. Yours truly with Joey Caffone. Joey, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be with you today. Thank you for joining us.
0: Chase, what's up, dude? I'm psyched. How about it? We we made it happen. Uh, We did, man. And like you were saying earlier, why didn't this happen sooner? I have no idea, but I'm Mm -hmm. ready for today.
1: We have been in the same circle of friends for a long time, and well, I should, I will pull back the curtain a little bit, and right before you said, yeah, I don't know where we're going to go on the show today, but I fucked up, and I was like, stop, stop talking, save it for the show, because I don't even know what you're going to say, but this seems like a good place to start. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so
0: I'm excited to talk to you for a lot of reasons, but uh, maybe, you know, for guidance, I think, is is one of them. I would love to hear some thoughts now or later or another day, whatever. But I did fuck up, and it was a glorious fuck up, a decade-long fuck up that brought me to this book that I wrote, The Laws of Creativity, which we'll talk about at some point. Indeed, we will. So, dude, I... We started in 2013, Baron Fig, right? For those of you who are not familiar, uh, it's a company that makes tools to help you do your best thinking. And the book, The Laws of Creativity, teaches you how to master your ideas. So I, as a business leader, did not do business leader things, okay? I sat, I'm a designer by trade, right? I sat in, in the studio, which I absolutely love to show up every day. And I made, you know, art directed and designed a hundred products over the last 10 years. And um, I like mastered the craft of making shit. Okay. And I'm good at it. And it's, it's not a mystery whatsoever. However, what is a mystery is being a business leader with a persona and launching a book. Like dude, I have no idea. Like, you know, by now if I had even been tweeting for 10 years, I should have had, way more than I have now. I just was like, I'm happy being inside this closet doing nothing. And here I am. And it's not like I'm afraid to chat.
1: No, I I love it. You know what though? Everybody's got their own journey. Yeah. Everybody's got their own journey. And what I know, well, my goal with having on the show is selfishly to learn a little bit more about your journey, to share that with uh, everyone who's listening and watching um, swab some stories because we have a lot of the same friends that we were talking about. Debbie Millman earlier, who's just an amazing human being. And when she did a, a journal with you all at Baron Fig, she this was you know quite a number of years ago. She's like, Gosh, you really yeah. have Joey in your show. And I was like, Noted, I love those things, those are amazing. And mm-hmm. you know, the way that I fucked up was not having in the show sooner, but <laughs> things happen for Here a reason, and maybe we saved it all up to. Help you um, get the the word out about your new book, which again, the, the laws of creativity. Um, we'll talk about it in a moment, but before then go back a little bit for the people who might be new to you or your work, yeah. orient them around your universe. Uh, you've already shared that you're a designer and you've launched hundreds of products, but Talk a little bit about Baron Fig. I know you were an independent designer. You launched the company. There's a little, there's gotta be some story there because right now there's lots of designers, photographers, entrepreneurs who are good at a craft and thinking about being their own business person. Maybe they work somewhere else and they wanna go into business for themselves. And whether this is making products or websites or apps or whatever, it's of no consequence. Share with us your particular story, how you got to where you are.
0: Yeah, sure. Back in 2013, seems like so long ago now. I was 26, had all the uh, optimism in the world, and I think I still do actually, more or less. Uh, and I noticed in the past few years, so I went to design school late, I accidentally went to college twice, which maybe we'll get to. And I noticed that my fellow students had a laptop and a notebook, and the laptops were always MacBooks, and the notebooks were different brands and sizes. And I was just like really bugged by this. Why the ubiquity in one and not the other? Mm -hmm. And at the time I was working at an agency and then I was quit that to freelance and that was going great. But then I saw the next like 40 years of my life unfold immediately. And I thought, man, I I need to, I need more unknown. I need more risk because it's just enjoyable to me. So then I quit that and I spent five months talking to people about a notebook what I think the question was, what do you like in a sketchbook or notebook? Put it on Kickstarter. We were looking for 15 grand. We did 120, did 168 Gs in 30 days. Shocked us completely. Me and uh, a friend, Adam Cornfield, who became the co-founder. And from then on, man, it was like, okay, we're going to make a notebook. Well, what do we make next? We make pens. And then, you know, do limited editions. And it's just been, you know, drawing circles around that that heart of creativity which is to me the blank page ever since and now it's you know we ship to 95 countries and you know 400 stores and uh you know i've personally art directed and designed over 100 things now and here i am today i've written a book (laughs) and now we're going to talk about it
1: (laughs) we're gonna unpack a little bit more about that journey first that that yeah 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 this um first of all kickstarter nasa who is the technical director of the show in the background here it was a part of your original kickstarter she shared i know yeah how
0: cool yeah. is that
1: and uh, back in 2013 and when anybody does a kickstarter you're you know you're you're basically throwing an idea out there to the world and clearly you mentioned in your story that you had asked a lot of questions and done some research and given the fact that you designed products and uh, and worked at an agency before. You understood the creative process, as you said that you've mastered that. But going into business for yourself, putting something out there in the world that has yeah. your name on it, and you know, if it, this sort of kick—it's not a GoFundMe, right? Kickstarter. If it doesn't get funded, your idea doesn't happen. Was mm. you talked about risk being hungry for risk? So talk to me a little about how all that came together and what you did when you clearly eclipsed your goal of 15,000, cause you brought in 160, but talk to me about the emotional roller coaster that that was, and then how you went to work, because that's what this show is about too, right? It's about not just ideas. It's about getting that, getting your ass.
0: Absolutely. So we, we put that on Kickstarter and we, we hit our goal in the first day we had 15 <laughs> grand and then we doubled it on day two and tripled it on day three. And then it was, the whole roller coaster afterwards and i remember i was online answering you know tweets and instagrams and emails for 30 days i i fell asleep on my bed with my sneakers on I, like i must have worn the same outfit entirely including sneakers for days on end because i just couldn't catch keep up yeah. with all these people talking about it which is wild for a notebook uh, one of the earliest lessons I learned is after we did, we raised the money and we're like, wow, this is more than a product. This is a company. Let's let's try. And we had to just me and Adam, so two people doing web stuff, logistics, production, customer service, you know, you name it, marketing, we're doing it. And so that means you really have to be selective. None of it's going to be great, right? We were running on the 80-20 principle, where you know, 20%. Get you the eighty percent, so we're like, dude, we're just going to do the twenty percent. Like we can't do all of it. And I remember, as a designer, putting up that twenty percent good website, and it was not my best work. And I caught wind of jokes, you know, from uh, people I used to hang with. Let's say, which is fine. Um, and I, I had made the choice, the right choice, to not be a designer first. I was an, I had, whether I liked it or not, I was an entrepreneur first now. And so I let that crappy site be the first site and instead focused on other things. And it was the right decision. We're still around. We sold, we actually sold so many books on launch day for our website that we crashed Squarespace's servers. So we were on Squarespace back in the day. So the site did what it needed to do. And I'm glad I made that decision i'm glad i learned that lesson early that even though like you know you're a photographer or you're a designer illustrator whatever it is when you go into business for yourself that is the secondary thing now that is just an element of what you do it's not it's not not that i ever identify i'm not joey the designer but it's it's really not who you are anymore
1: Mm. there's wisdom there You go, you find success in, or rather you create success for yourself. You've crashed the servers, you got mortars and you know what to do with. So it's safe to say you've now shoved this ship out into the Harbor and you're heading out to sea. And over the last nine years, you talked about making hundreds of products Um. What do you feel like are the lessons that most creators miss as they're they're pushing their own boat out to sea? You you have, uh, as you mentioned, ninety five countries, four hundred plus stores. You have <laughs> you've you've done it. Um, looking back, what what are some of the biggest things that you missed that uh, could help some others listening?
0: The, the first was the, the making the choice to be an entrepreneur first. And I think second is now that you are an entrepreneur first, if you get some modicum of success, you are going to hand off the thing you love to someone else. So I don't do a lot of design on a regular basis. Now I, I I'm always working on the new stuff. So I do get my design kicks that way, but you know, I love just sitting here. I, I love designing emails, designing packaging. That's awesome. It's it's just enjoyable. And now I have to watch, I've had to watch other people do that at Baron Fig, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I'd say the second thing is keep an eye out for the inflection point where if you do succeed at what you're doing, you're going to have to let go even more and become less of the thing that you started out. And, and, you know, as a creator, I think it couldn't be challenging because, you know, if I say I'm an illustrator, you know, I want to illustrate all the time and then you don't anymore. I think what got me past that was realizing that I am, even though I'm not designing as much, I am still creating. I'm essentially designing a business. I'm designing a culture. I'm designing, um, you know, a brand, even if it's not literal design. And so that got me through. And that was the big lesson number two. And I think a lot of people mess that up,
1: for sure. I'd say yeah. that there—that is genius in how you've packaged that, um, because there's a lot in there, right? And people, we we as creators, we are lucky enough, or the the calling becomes loud enough that we follow our passion, our desires to go into business for ourselves or even being an entrepreneur, you know, running a design team inside of a larger company, you, you embark on this journey. And then what you quickly find out is that that's just one piece of the pie. And for an idealist who's listening right now, they could be terrified. And you talked about uh, earlier in this conversation already, you said, you know, you're wildly optimistic. You know, you, you talked mm-hmm. about your un, unfettered optimism as a 26 year old help me reconcile those two things. Like you, the reason you go, the reason you pushed your ship out of the, you know, off the shore, into the bay and out to sea, was ostensibly because of design. And yet for someone listening or in your own experience, you end up not doing just that. Is this a richer experience, you would argue? Is it the same or is it just different?
0: Yeah, great question, man. Is it richer? If, if we are talking about how do I become the best human being I can be? Yeah, there's more here. There's leading human beings. There's making the decision that no one else, many decisions no one else can or has the right to or the responsibility for. And you're doing it all the time. And they have real repercussions on customers, real repercussions on your team collaborators, contractors, the list goes on. And so you end up having a significantly richer experience as a human, for sure. You know, is it richer as a designer? No, it's not. It's not. Uh, but as a human. And I, yes, but as a human. And I think uh, I recognized early enough to say, hey, man, that is an equally, if not more beautiful thing to chase. And, you know, looking at it as I'm designing a company was my way of saying, I still am a designer. And I mean, I still do all the new stuff. So it's not like I don't design, but I'm, I'm one of the, the folks that, that has no problem with the nitty gritty. Like I enjoy, like I could, I'll write a web page, design, like icons, like, I don't care. It's, it's just cool. Put some music on and chill. And that kind of stuff I had to let go. And that, you know, there's a lot less chilling for sure. (laughs) (laughs) but you've got to, I mean, feel similarly. No, what was it like, you know, when you grad, you know, I say graduated, but it's not like one is better than the other, but when you changed from one thing to the next.
1: Yeah. I I think it was, for me, it was an, and it wasn't an, or. Mm -hmm. And When I look at, you know, do you like, did Joey stop being a designer? No, he was a designer and he was, the founder, co-founder of Baron Fig, and that had a whole new set of responsibilities, all of which, I might add, are wildly creative. What I loved about what you said is that this as the, as, it, as a human, the experience is richer. And that's what I'm also, I crave sort of intensity and depth. Yeah. and boy, you, you certainly get those. And I also believe oh, and I want to I get your <laughs> I want to get your take here that and i loved the confidence with which you shared that you, know, you have mastered the product launch you've built designed and launched hundreds of products i appreciate my friends who are in another guest on the show who can just flatly state like yep mastered it and whatever the definition of master i mean i try and those are the kinds of guests that i like to have on the show you clearly have mastered this process and what I mean, by mastery, and I talked a lot about in my book, uh, Creative Calling, was when you understand the universe of what's possible and you are doing basically three-dimensional calculations. And Michael Jordan described this as when he's playing basketball, the game is in slow motion for him. Everyone else is in panic. How can you play as fast as possible? And yeah. you moving slowly for Michael Jordan. And so I think about mastery the same way. And what uh, I'm curious to get your take is my belief is that mastering something, anything in the world is a huge benefit to everything else in life because you understand the macro concept of mastery. And it's in in doing so that you can then more quickly and you can also 80-20 mastery in other areas. So the way that this would, I would apply this to Joey is Joey says, I'm I've mastered designing and launching products. And then you take what you know from mastery and then you apply it to the creative act of building a business and why it may take you some time to master that, you know, what it feels like that way, you know, when it clicks in or, you know, when you're sniffing around mastery or, you know, what other masters look like to get their mentorship and collaboration and, and other considerations. And that to me is beautiful and rich. So, now let's just, if if I'm seeding that as a fertile mm-hmm. little, little um, garden for you to go plant some seeds in, please, Joey, go, go plant some seeds. Yes.
0: Well said, first of all, love that. You've said it better than uh, I've heard it before. It's clearly there's a lot of thought. It's funny you mentioned Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan in a roundabout way helped me believe I could write this book. So I had, you know, I was, uh, what was I like? 30, whatever, early 30s, mid 30s. I don't even know. I start this book at early pandemic and I'm thinking to myself, am I ready to write this yet? And my wife suggests that I watch The Last Dance on Netflix. Jordan, Doc, how they, you know, just totally skyrocketed to greatness. And I realized that Michael Jordan, his sixth championship, do you know how old he was when he won his sixth championship? I do not know. 35 years old. So it was it, dude like it, that to me was evidence that you can become a master by 35. Um, and everybody again is on their own journey. So I go and I write this book and I'm I'm feeling like, wow, I understand more than I realize, right? And I think that's kind of what mastery probably is. You take a lot for granted and then someone asks you to explain it and you're kind of like blase. I'm I'm almost like I'm telling you how to breathe and they're like, Oh my God, I've never breathed before like this. This is incredible. And that was riveting and and totally got me to, to like flow through this book. And I wrote it pretty quickly after, after I realized that. Mm. So I write the book and here's where I think I'm going to talk about how mastery affects the rest of your life. I write the book and I share it with a close friend, musician named Chris. He reads this thing in a weekend. It's like 400 pages. He reads it super fast and he, he calls me and he's like, dude, it's like 6 a.m. Picks up the phone. He's like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm like, what, man? I'm like, is, is it any good? And he's like, dude, you did not write a book about creativity. And now I'm like, what the fuck did I write about? And he's like, dude, you wrote a book about life, about being a better human, about being more effective. And I hadn't thought about it, but. The lessons I learned from creating about competing against yourself, facing your fears, what failure really is, how to work in a way that produces results uh, efficiently, dealing with the unknown, right? This is stuff like you could apply that to any practice and or just living and it works. So I'm with you on, on how mastery and understanding of what you do translates at uh, 30 years old, I picked up the trumpet. So my dad is deaf, and we didn't grow up with music at mm-hmm. all because it would be exclusionary for him. You know, imagine we're all sitting around the table, bobbing our heads, constant reminder that he can't hear it. So mm-hmm. my mom made the choice to uh, just not play music. And that it was never a thing for me, didn't listen to anything, uh, but it was a lot of visual stuff, which obviously paid dividends. And so at 30 I decided to pick up the trumpet and the reason was that I wanted to see if I could take everything I learned about designing and creating and translate it into music. And so within, you know, 6 months I was playing at a high school level and, you know, so on and so forth and now I'm working on, you know, jazz and it's just amazing how it really does all come back and come full circle. Like you said, do you ever pick up anything that you suck at? Oh,
1: <laughs> Lots of things, <laughs> uh, lots of things. Uh, I'll give a, a, a golf, uh, an example of golf, which is kind of trite and weird because uh, yeah, for I played as a young person, I actually just worked at a golf course so I was around it because it was the only business that was within walking distance of where I grew up and I found a lot of joy in it, but it was mostly just what and then as a, I went I played college soccer and then when you're soccer or when you're doing that, you know, I didn't have any time because that was like 10 hours a day thing for you know five years. And then you're poor, Mm -hmm. and then you think well, I thought golf was very stupid. Who are these, you know, fat, white, rich dudes chasing a white ball around? Then fast forward, you know, 27 years, no golf. fast forward pandemic hits. There is nothing to do. There's nothing, can't go anywhere, can't do anything. And the only thing I'm up here in Seattle that was. Available was golf. I picked it up again. It is very humbling. And it turns out that um, Michael Murphy wrote an amazing book. He's the founder of Center centerpiece of the human potential movement, Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, uh, yeah. Watts, all these amazing human beings. And he wrote this book about how, you know, this is so much like life. And it is absolutely humbling and brutal to pick up anything new. But what I've learned from this, and this is, I think what you're leaning into here is the willingness to suck mm. and the willingness to start at zero gives you the opportunity to remember what it was like to start something. Look at the, the skills in your toolbox, the tools in your toolbox, the skills that you have and go inward to find what is applicable to the next thing. And for you, you talked about leveraging your design skills over to music you know, my, again, example around golf, there's all kinds of things that are about life. And to me, you know, again, you, you talked about the book and I really want to move into this book. That was very similar. to My book about creativity was about, wait, this is, I think I even said this in the opening chapter. It's like, this is a book about creativity. It will help you be a better designer, photographer, entrepreneur, but it's really a book about life. And that is what I took away. I read your book on PDF, bro. Come on. That's, Dude. Have you ever read four hundred pages in PDF?
0: No, but I my I, eyes are bleeding. Oh my god, man! I would have gladly gotten you a physical one. You've read that? You've read it?
1: Yeah, I confess, I skipped some because wow. because my uh, laptop is not. I don't know. I enjoy, don't enjoy reading. You did it on your laptop, no less. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness. But cut to the chase here, which is this, I'm reading your book and I cannot be, I cannot get past the fact that all of these lessons are life lessons. And I love, I'm going to, I'm going to talk for 90 seconds here. I love, I'm a big structure guy, which is, I don't know. This mm-hmm. is the part, the business brain that I developed around my creativity is, you know, organization and and the organization of this, book part one being the foundation how to think creatively part two how to create something the process from start to finish and part three how to pursue ostensibly excellence greatness how to rise above the rest as the subhead and then there's a lovely epilogue about vision which um to me is is visionary (laughs) that the idea that we the organization of this book starting with the magic of how to think creatively is something that I feel like a lot of people turn on creativity books to, you know, Julia Cameron or, uh, you know, Ken Robinson or, and yet I feel like you've nailed it. Starting off with being weird, challenging assumptions, et cetera. So I would like you to articulate why you decided to start around mindset and especially this internal journey, this how to be weird and mm. specifically also challenging the assumptions of others.
0: Sure. I was taking notes on my phone for 10 years because I knew this book was something I wanted to write eventually. And the pandemic was the opportunity. So I sat down during the pandemic and I turned that you know, Apple note on my phone into the table of contents that you're looking at you know, within just a few hours. And what I, I had it arranged a little bit differently and I had it uh, structured differently, but it was all there. And so then I hopped on to interviewing people who don't consider themselves creatives. Mm. You know, my wife is a technologist, she's a developer COO, and she's kind of got the other half of the brain going. And so I talked to all her friends and as I interviewed them, I realized that the, everything that you ne- they needed to be creative, to do the process they, they were able to do, and they understood that the problem was their perspective on it. Mm-hmm. The way they thought about how to create was wrong. It wasn't the creating itself that was wrong. And so then it became extremely clear That to start out, I needed to talk about essentially what I said in the beginning, which is you have to install your new operating system, new way of looking at the world, right? Like weird is chapter one is be weird because weird has been weaponized. You think about, um, you know, when you're in high school and we've all been there or maybe at work, some people still where you say, oh, that's the weird kid or that's the weird person. And it's said as a negative thing. But in fact, you know, unless they're harming someone, in fact, those people are actually the brave ones who are letting what's inside out. They're being themselves. And then what we do in our bubble is we classify them as weird. And so that to me was the biggest barrier to people being creative is accepting that they have to let out what's on the inside, that it's valuable and not something hidden. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you think about how we live as as like a bubble of our daily life and the people we see and you have the the inside the bubble and outside the bubble. Inside the bubble, we want everyone to be like us, right? We call people weird if they're different, you know, and I'm not I'm generalizing, but you understand. And there's a certain expectation of fitting in and people just des- and desire to fit in, right? Then outside the bubble though of our bubble we look at people who are doing incredible shit and they're fucking weird and we admire them. Mm-hmm. So to throw names out, Michael Jackson, Elon Musk, right? the list goes on. There's just a shitload of weird ass people out there who are themselves and then what they make we love. And yet, and we are okay with that, but when it's in our bubble, it's not. And so addressing that was really like the cornerstone of beating the shit out of your out of people's old thinking and saying like, yo, this, this is not, this is not productive and you won't get anywhere with this. And so that's where I started. And then, you know, the whole part one, if you can get through it and parse it and really understand it, it's like, you know, there's one thing to read it. Another thing to, to grok it and be like, yo, this, I can internalize this. Then you can make anything.
1: That's true. One of my favorite words, grok Um, the one of the most popular questions that I have received in the course of doing this show is how to understand the difference between, you know, how to basically identify intuition. What mm-hmm. do you actually listen to and what do you ignore? What is like a shiny object and you're a crow and what is like the task at hand? So I'm curious how you treat intuition both you know throughout the book and maybe through uh practice in in your life how do you recognize it how do you Mm. you do you double down on it and what role does that play in in creativity
0: intuition intuition is like the residue of knowledge right it's you're, you become so knowledgeable at something that you no longer need to go through the logic to reach the end. It doesn't mean that there's not logic present. It's that you can skip it now. For example, you know, I do talk about this a bit in the book. It's sort of like in problem solving where, look, what are we all masters at? Being, being the drivers of the human body. Okay, We're, we all do it because we can't not do it. And so one of the things we experience three times a day usually is being hungry. And so we feel something and then we put food in our mouth, right? And this is like the most basic stuff. But what I'm saying is we don't have to reason through that. We just have gone through that problem solving so many times that the solution is, is apparent. You know, and in, it I think can be confused for intuition when you apply that type of experience to other practices, but that doesn't mean that um, there's no basis. You know? mm. And there's also the the pitfall of people think they have a there that, that oh dude, one of my favorite subjects that all of, like opinions are equal. Opinions are not equal you know i was talking to a buddy i forget what the hell it was and he was telling he was giving me his opinion on something and i you know and i stopped him and i'm like bro your opinion does not count (laughs) you don't know shit about this it's probably something to do with running a business right and i mean this this you know dude didn't run a business and that's not better or worse but i was like bro where the fuck are you know are you pulling this out of your ass and I was like, dude, I, you know, you need to just chill. And he was like, fuck, man, you're right. And then we were just like on the phone, like silent, like, wow. And I think uh more people could use that realization, <laughs> you know, because our, you know, our intuition or our opinion uh is not necessary just because we have it doesn't mean that it's right.
1: Mm. Well, that's sort of that that does circle back in a way around that. Uh, mastery point right you once you've done something mm-hmm. so much you've mastered it you've mastered the art of product launch, design and launch and if someone's out there talking about it you're like you you are a you know you're an electrician that you know you don't have what are you talking about yeah dude, <laughs> what the fuck. you don't know what <laughs> and, you're saying and, and to be fair you know Joey's not going to be telling this guy how many you know how many amps this particular circuit, should be because no you know.
0: <laughs> and this okay I'm
1: sorry I, I'm excited diamond. yep you're yep.
0: good man. this brings me you're looking for lessons for your listener the listeners this brings me to another lesson. so someone asked myself and Adam, you know what is the thing that you think separates you from everyone else? Why did you succeed so far? you know it's like eighty percent of new companies fail in two years, right? And this was like year five. And we thought about it a lot. And we finally answered that we are very good at not having to learn the hard way. And what I mean by that is exactly what you're saying. The, election, uh, the electrician comes and tells me something or you know the shipping master or someone comes and tells me, yo, this is what I would do. We would just say, fuck it, dude, let's do it that way. And there's no ego, no bullshit, letting getting in the way of me having to be the one that understands it or figures it out. I'm going to lean on your expertise. And I don't even want to know right now why. I want to follow your advice. And if it works, I'll ask you, okay, what what why did you choose that? Cool, I'll put it in the back of my head, but then you know I'll come back to you. So for everyone out there who's starting something or wants to start something, you don't have to know even you know, a 10th of how the whole thing may work, right? Baron fig people come to me when they have, you know, let's say a problem or, you know, that their shit gets beat up in the mail. And I'm like, dude, you're, I'm absolutely want to give you a free pen. I have no idea how to do that. Like you got to email customer service, dude, you're going to get an answer in a, in a day. And I'm going to have to go to three different people to figure out how to help you out. And like, but dude, you're, you're this you're the founder. You created it. How do you not know? It's like, well, I stay in my lane and I, I let people stay in theirs. You know, as <laughs> best I can. But,
1: but there's so much wisdom in there. That is, you know, this is why I love, you know, I'm happy to have you on the show. This, uh, the idea that you have to do everything to an 11 is actually not, real. Mm. you know, that, and that I think stops a lot of people from starting because there's the belief, you know, we have a culture of perfectionism and it needed to look like everyone's finished product on Instagram that they've been working on for 10 years. And you think you can do it in 10 minutes and, you know, ad nauseum across this infinite number of aspects of our lives and products and services and whatnot. And yet this is also why community matters a lot because building a set of resources and friends and other creators and entrepreneurs and people that you trust and love and admire and respect matters because you don't have to do everything to 11. If you can, if you can rely on someone in your community, presumably you had someone who had shipped a bunch of shit and you called them and said, you know, Hey Tom, what's the best way for us to ship this? Or you had some friends that were accountants and said, who's your favorite tax person that I need to go to. And this is maybe not how it ends. You don't live in that universe for the next 50 years, but that's how you start.
0: Absolutely, and you have to you know there's two uh, there's two contrasting proverbs, let's call them. One is,'re you're, uh, you're not an island, but at the same time, no one can do the work but you. So what do you believe? Am I an island? and or am I, if I'm not an island, well then, okay, I've got all these people, but if if I'm the only one who can do the work, well, that sort of sounds like I'm alone. And I think the answer is, you know, you're a collection of islands. I think it's called an archipelago, right? Like everybody has their own Island Look well, at I, you, hop in so your fabulous. boat, Ooh. dude, <laughs> hop in your boat, swim over, you know, paddle over to the next Island, ask someone for help and go back to your Island. And that is kind of how you balance what we're talking about. Because in the end, I still have to make the shipping decision. I still have to pull it off and, all i am really doing is getting a head start from by borrowing knowledge and that's valuable it saves a ton of time
1: doubling down on the creative process questions here for a second because that is again what we're talking about specifically is the laws of creativity joey's new book um absolutely brilliant again to me this is a uh, it's a book that from the creative landscape that has been missing there are Books, you know, I cited uh, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, I've some other figures, even I've referenced my own book, which is a lot about the thought process behind creativity and putting it to work. You, the, the laws of creativity, you have done such a fantastic job at making explicit dozens of the different aspects of creativity. And... Specifically, I want to go back to the thing that I, I just mentioned, which is getting people to start. I find that that's the biggest hurdle. And you've got a, uh, I, again, I wrote these notes on a sticky because I was reading a PDF and I couldn't it <laughs> Dude, the you're really rubbing the it thing in. Or or get you a copy. <laughs> 100, page 147, taking the first step. Talk to me, talk to us about taking the first step.
0: Page 147. Wow, that's pulling. Let's see where that what that looks like. Taking the first step. This is in the process section where you've already thought about all the things you need to know. Oh my goodness, man. You put me on the spot. Oh, I love this. So page 147 is chapter 13. Lucky 13 is sketch it out. The law of ideation, which says that take your idea and make it real, no matter how rough. And this, I, I could say this about every law. This is the law that's gonna change your life. I, I feel that strongly. I mean there's so, that's why they're laws. like they are they're powerful. Uh, but what I've noticed over the past you know 15 years or so of doing all this creative stuff is when I'm working with people who um, treat the, treat their products too precious or they identify too closely with it, They have a hard time making shit and you need to make garbage before you make good. And you need to show people your garbage. And so this chapter about ideation is just pull it out of your head as fast as you can. So, you know, I use Baron Fig in his example, back in the day when we started, I was having trouble explaining to Adam and a third uh, collaborator, Scott, What I was doing, which was like, dude, I just want to make a cloth bound notebook. That's kind of aesthetically different, a little bit more pleasing, a little bit simpler. Like, I don't understand. So I, you know, I did it in Illustrator. I don't understand. It's flat graphic. Cool. So between the one meeting to the next, I went to CVS. I bought a notebook that was the right size. I went to an art store. I bought painter's canvas, right? That uh, eggshell colored stuff, cut it up used masking tape, not even clear tape, masking tape. And I coded this book best I could with this um, canvas. And the next time I saw them, I threw it on the table and I said, here it is. And it was, it was ugly. There was glue, masking tape. I mean, there were threads sticking out everywhere, but they got it. That night's discussion was fired up from this crappy thing that I made that I made it like five minutes it took longer to collect all the shit than it did to, to put it together and then from there uh they understood what I was going for the very next week to keep the momentum I went around the city and I bought some you know New York City has like a store for everything I went to a ribbon store like a shit you not like 30 foot ceilings with ribbons from floor to ceiling. Unbelievable. It was like an old library where they had to climb up the ladders, you know, and scoot around on all these, these weird rails to to pull your ribbon out. And I bought all this stuff again. And now I made a notebook from scratch this time. And I sat down one Saturday morning, so excited. I'm in my underwear, like nothing else on. I got YouTube running and I build this notebook and I'm, you know, from the inside out and I'm getting to the The part where, okay, I made the the paper block. Now I just need to put the cover on. I forgot to buy cardboard. No big deal. Cheerios I had earlier. I pull the bag out, cut up the Cheerios box, make the cover, wrap the whole thing. Again, I throw it on the table. Now it looks something like what we're trying to make. And the dudes are like, oh my God, I know exactly what we need to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And just a few months later, we had the production uh, sample you know, that we had on the table that then it was like <clears throat> home run, but it all starts with being okay with showing that really, really, really rough idea. And you could, you know, I write in the book, you can either draw it. If that makes sense, you can um, craft it, which is what I did. You can do all sorts of methods, but bring it out of your head ASAP.
1: I love it changes that ur- everything. I love the urgency there. I, I th- in building creative live, I used to always say, the prototype is worth a thousand meetings. And if you can show yeah. me the thing that you think is the right thing, like that is so much more valuable because that allows us to talk about it in far more concrete ways. Now there is someone who's listening right now or watching and they <clears throat> want to know why they their work hasn't broken out yet. And what I I I applying a lot of these same principles, I like to say, well, where's your best work? And they're like, well, you know, that's qualifier, qualifier, qualifier. And I'm like, okay, fine. Where's your shitty work? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, and at the, you know, when push comes to shove, most people have not just done enough work. You have not produced the garbage for the good. And I'm wondering if you can help, The person who's sitting there right now with a little bell going off in their brain, going, Oh shit, they've discovered me, found me out. Give give this person some advice. Repetition, volume. Talk to me about how you get from garbage to good.
0: First, accept that you're going to make crap. You know, we have, as human beings, we have this, we're logical and we're emotional simultaneously. Logically, we know I can't get it right on the first try. And emotionally, we get disappointed. What the hell is that about? So I would say, you know, shake that off and 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 understand that you are your worst enemy sometimes. And that's okay. We all are. Uh let go of the fear. Fear is inherent in doing all of this. And um, there's there's one really enjoyable piece, the nugget that I came up with when I was teaching, which I think is useful here. So we all know that we should aim for quality over quantity, okay? Sure, I agree. I'd rather have one nicely designed thing than 10 pieces of crap. The problem with that phrase is it tells you the destination, not the journey. It tells you where you should end up, but not how you get there. The true phrase, if you will, should be quality over quantity but quantity begets quality. So you understand that you need to make a lot and don't worry about whether it's good or not. Your goal is actually not to make something good. It's just to make something. And I think that is the first place that you could start is how do I just iterate and iterate and iterate? And I'm not trying to necessarily make anything that is the final version. I'm just trying to make more. Because every time you make something, you're learning. And so what, you know, I'm a fan of math and logic and philosophy and all that. What it boils down to is the more you make, mathematically, statistically, the probability that you'll get somewhere worth going increases. And so the more you do, the more you do, the higher the probability until at some point it emerges. But if you try to skip the process and cheat, you're really just cheating yourself because you're not going to get there.
1: Mm. Wisdom. I think we might have just found our cold open right there. That's just too good. <laughs> <That's> too good <laughs> good um, man. The most important quality for success. The most important quality for success. Page I think 20. I touched upon it earlier. 389. Page 389.
0: I'm gonna jump. 389. I'm glad I got this book open, dude. I have my PDF. <laughs>
1: this is yeah, I'm not trying to trick you. I missed. I think it's awesome.
0: You're looking for some good stuff. Wow. This is a big book, man. It's a huge book.
1: But this yeah. is, again, this take, you know, I'm a big Robert Greene fan. You know, he's written about the laws of power, the laws of human nature. To to have not had a book called The Laws of Creativity seems to have been remiss. And where where has it been? And you, yeah. you have delivered um, I am. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll cheat it so you don't have to. I'm actually.
0: on the, yeah. okay. I'm on the page 389. Yeah. It's the last, it's the last formal chapter. There's one more after this. It's titled Don't Give Up. And it's the law of tenacity, except that the world and the people in it operate at their own accord. Uh, and you're going to face hardships. And it's the last, it's the last chapter. Don't Give Up. Uh, did you read this chapter? Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm rereading it right now. Yeah. So uh, every chapter for the the, the Oprah uh, example is super prudent, obviously. And I think you've done a nice job yeah. uh, with, with a lot of the examples throughout the book. But this idea that um, the that hardships won't appear or that we do what Brene Brown calls we, we you know, approach them with gold plated grit after the fact, like, oh yeah, it was so hard, but boy, I persevered. And then wasn't mm. life great, but it's really in these moments. Uh, I'm just going to read from your book. here. in these moments of difficulty and despair that what you are made of is truly tested and to reach great heights, you must persevere. Like that's where, mm. that's the reason that you're on the show right now. That's the reason we're talking about your book I'm sure you hit some roadblocks in the book, even though it came out of you quickly and you've been taking notes. It's a frustrating process to make a book. Yeah. Tell me about uh-huh. it.
0: Uh, yeah. This chapter, this chapter has some surprises, but it, it actually, I put my personal story at the end of the book. Um, the the personal story, not the, the professional one. And to give you a bit of so the listeners out there. Um, so my mom, was actually a single mom. You know, I know I mentioned my dad earlier, it was a complicated scenario, but my mom, uh, she got cancer when I was young and she was a single mom and she passed away when I was 13. And there wasn't anyone else to take over. I ended up going to live with her ex-husband and he passed away. And it was, so it's so kind of a host of crap. But in that, I learned so much about what it means to persevere and be a human being and, you know, being my own cheerleader, right. You know, when you have a good grade a kid and you go and like, Oh, mom or dad, check it out. What happens when there's no one to show anything at all, when there's no one in the world that treats you like number one. Right. And uh, most of us don't experience that because we'll have parents treat us as the most important. And then, you know, at some point they're not around anymore, but by then most people have a significant other that treats them as the most important. So your whole life, you may live as the number one. Well, I didn't have that for a while. And it taught me a lot about what I needed to do from within. And, you know, I, I wrote it as three tools. is gratitude for the past and perspective for the present and optimism for the future, you know, gratitude for everything that I did have, right. Even though all that shit was going down, I was still a, a happy kid. Like there's some memories, you know, there were things that I still had, even though I didn't have that, like I still had water and clothes and I still could go to school. And then perspective for the present is when you're, you know, when you're going through something like that, because I did end up living out of my car for a while, unfortunately. um, Dude, I'm, I'm bulletproof now. Like, okay. So a shipment blows up. Who fucking cares compared to, a lot of the more serious things that we faced. And then the optimism is just that when you start to, you know, lean on your gratitude and your perspective, you realize that you really can get through anything because you've done it already. And it just makes it that much easier. So that is the last chapter. And that is the last law that now, ultimately everybody out there, when you face, when you reach the point, which you will, when it's really hard, And it seems impossible, and you suffer. That is the point where you're going to grow, and that is a choice that you need to make. It's like going to the gym. You know, the first eleven reps don't matter. It's you know number twelve. That's the one that's going to make your muscle grow. It's the choice to do that one. So, uh, you know, don't give up.
1: Tenacity is, and I love it's. It's very beautifully. Um, shared uh, it's super resonant and very powerful and thanks for being vulnerable here on the show but also um, in the book I think that is you know this the not giving up is is the thing that's ultimately tied to success more than talent mm-hmm. and this, the, this sort of abstract quality of grit um, I want to zoom back out because we started off our discussion talking about how this is, you know, these are was it is 39 laws, is that right? Something like yeah. that. 39, yeah, 39 laws. And these are laws for creativity, but they're really laws for life. So what are some examples? To help people understand this, like mm-hmm. translate. You know, a, a moment in Baron Fig's growth to the life lessons that you have learned from it. Because when people ask, you know, what is creativity good for? Well, it's obviously it transcends art. Art is incredibly valuable. There's a reason that we've studied it and it provides, you know, indicators for what civilization is, is like, has been like, will be like. There's all kinds of pointers there. But Creativity is is this, as you describe early in the book, and I've talked about on this show and my book. It's this idea of combining, you know, things to make something new and and useful. Ideally, there's a utility there, right? So let's start to apply these lessons to life. What was some of the what was one of the biggest challenges in building either your personal brand or or Baron Fig? Because now that you are a personal brand, you're authoring books now. What mm what was something that translated into, into life?
0: Well, the, the, what I explained earlier was definitely the probably the most formative initial law example with the book being created. And then it just like the law of continuity, right? That failure and success are directly proportional. I think people think failure is, um, you know, a marker for inefficiency or something. And it's, it's not, it's, it's, again, it's that probability, you know, I said I made over a hundred products and I did, but I didn't say I made over a hundred successful products, right? I mean, I, you know, all I, probably two, three dozen were really, really impactful. And a lot of them didn't work out. You know, I, we have a pen that uh, people wanted it to click, for example, and we made a click version of our spin top and it doesn't sell like, you know, that well, but people buy it and that's a great example of accepting that you're not going to nail it. But I think what, what I've learned pretty quickly is that you're not going to, you're not going to predict it. You're not going to know what's going to hit off. One of my favorite experiences with Baron fig. When we first started, we made a notebook. Cool. Then we decided to make the pen and it was our first uh, new category. Right? We had done all these paper products for a little while. And I remember telling friends and family and customers and fellow designers, "We're going to do this pen. Like you, you don't know how to design a pen, Well, I know, but I'm going to you know, I'm going try. And just you're the notebook company. Why would you why would you want to do that? And I'm like, well, you know, to me, it's obvious how the fuck to use a notebook without <laughs> you know, a pen in your hand or a pencil. Uh, and so everybody shot down the idea. Like Joey, dude, you don't know how to do it. You're not a, you're not made for it. The brand's not made for it. So all right, cool. So we put this thing on Kickstarter, uh, and designed it. We raised just as much as we did for the first one. New York Magazine came along a year later. Sorry, I got my do not disturb on. Could edit that bad boy out. New York Magazine came a year later, ranked 100 pens, and put the Baron Fix Squire as number one. And this is after people telling us you can't do it. Wow. Right. Now, could I have predicted that? No. You know, the law of expression, just it, it, you know, put it out there. The law of the unknown. Fear is necessary to the creative acts. The law of continuity, where if I had failed, would I have stopped? No. And the law of competition is don't compare myself to others. If I had used others' opinions of me and of of Baron Fig as a measuring stick, I would not have done it, but I didn't
1: care. And yet, number one.
0: Number one pen makes just as as much, if not more, than the notebooks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say every new product line was a success after. No, absolutely not. But some are more than others. And the only way to know is to try. And, you know, if you wrap it into that law of tenacity, despite your best efforts, you'll face the hardships and people are going to fucking, the higher you climb, the more hands you have pulling you back. And, and interestingly enough, They and this has been spoken about quite a bit, so there's nothing necessarily new here, but it is related. Where (sighs) it's almost like the people you know best are the ones that pull you the hardest, the people you are closest with can pull you down. You know, thankfully, my wife is an amazing support system, um, and a lot of my friends, but they're also people I went to school with and people I've hung out with and stopped hanging out with because. I'm doing something they're not, and you know, once you succeed, um, they have more opinions. And like we said earlier, not all opinions are equal, and well, they don't like to hear that. Uh, so, for those out there who want to start something new and start something of your own, treat it like you know the other creations you make. If you're, I keep saying, an illustrator. If you're an illustrator and you want to do a new style. And you show it to you know your family, and they're not illustrators, and that style is still in its infancy, and it probably won't look good. And they'll probably tell you that doesn't look good. Stick to your style. So they're not the right people to show. They're not the right people to to, to commune with on your growth, right? So in this case, it might be other illustrators who are familiar. So I don't even know where the hell that came from.
1: No, but this is there's part of this is you know, you're trusting your intuition as a part of this is choosing your community wisely. If you're the average, mm. people. the fact that, you know, the people who are close to you, ironically can, you know, the way that I think about it, maybe dovetails with yours is that these people are scared for you because they want the best for you. They love you dearly. They want you to be successful. And when they say you see you taking risk, mm. they're like, shit, I don't want joey to take a risk he's already got it made like why make this fucking pen bro stick to the notebooks you got a good thing going because you know they don't want to see you get hurt if if capital i if it doesn't work out and that is where this concept of intuition the venn diagram whether of intuition making a lot of stuff Mm. trusting you know trusting your gut repetition over perfection you know all these things come into play which Again, is as I, you know, was trying to get this in this last sort of uh, element of this show. Like, how, how when we zoom out, it really is all of these laws that are required to make great stuff, and that you have captured them in a book. <laughs> yes. Where has this been all the all my life? Where you been? Yeah, no, congrats, congratulations on the book. Truly. Thank you. And, uh, and what a brilliant and special career you've been, you've done a lot of stuff with uh, a lot of our co-conspirators, our mutual friends, you know, Debbie, uh, Roxanne Gay, um, mm-hmm. James clear. We got the yeah. uh, habit journal habit journal. Yeah. Ha- um, how, how, how do you choose those, these folks you're collaborating with? It's
0: based on the human being
1: first. Like I I have
0: for better or worse, I've optimized my life for fun uh, always. And that's, you know, in college, the first time I went to college, I failed 15 courses. Optimizing for fun clearly was not serving me well. Uh, (laughs) but I've, I've continued to do that in my adulthood. It's come, it's come full circle. It's, it's good again. And, uh, you know, I I met James clear, for example, I didn't know who James clear was. You know, like I said, I worked 10 years of my head head down. I don't know. Nearly as many people as, you know, maybe a a content, you know, like co-conspirator you called him. And so I met this dude and I was like, Oh, he's interesting. He's, he's got a lot of cool shit to say. And we started chatting and then he invited me to dinner, a dinner. And he was like, Hey man, I got an idea. And I was like, dude, he told me about the book *Atomic Habits*, which had not come out yet,
1: and I it's said, Look, man. it spent like four and a half years on the New York Times bestseller list, yeah, like number one, last, one. It was number one world. last last week behind Brian Holliday's new book, number two, yeah. *Discipline yeah. Is Destiny*. Yeah. And he, James, wrote the book like James knows what he's doing four years ago, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: like 2018 maybe. Yeah, and uh, you know, he told me about the book, and I was like, dude, I've been tracking my habits for years." years and years. And I said, I don't need to do this. I don't care. Again, I didn't know. And I said, but I, I guarantee you're not going to find a designer who is able to understand what you're doing more than me. I was like, I'm happy to work on it. I'm happy to connect you with other designers. And so, yeah, obviously I designed the journal with him. I I didn't, that was one project that I did myself and uh, here we are now, you know, Tens of thousands of zillions of these journals later. Uh, and that was cool. And it started because he is just good human. He's a a good dude. He's an intense, interesting character. And I like that. I like that a lot.
1: This sort of is a full circle moment, right? You talked about you know this. If what you're passionate about is humans humans are at the sort of root of the life of life. And you have written a book that has creativity in its namesake. And yet it's really a book about life. Did you know that you were setting out this as soon as your friend told you? Was that the first time you thought about it or was it in the drafting of the book?
0: No, that was the first time. I really, my mission was for people who don't think they're creative. How can I help them understand that it's not so scary? It's not magic. And for people who are creative, how can I help them? Um, just it's like a musician who can play the music, but doesn't read music. Like, how can I help you read the music? So you really know what you're playing. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, this dude read it and it's been a buddy for a long time. And he was like, bro, this is like Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. The shit isn't about motorcycles at all. <laughs> I was like, Oh my goodness. That took a while to parse.
1: Well, but here we are. A- yeah. Staggering Thank work of genius, and oh my god, dude, <laughs> that's high praise. I, I I appreciate it. It's cool. And right, I, last sort of uh, I don't the last question, last genre I want to explore with you here in the in the few minutes that we have remaining. I don't want to look beyond the book because you're in the launch mode right now, right? You're mm. this book out there, and yet part of uh, well, you wrap the book with you know vision and vision for the future and in your three lessons, you know it was um reverence or gratitude for the past, awareness of the present and sort of looking to the future so it's really hard for me not to end this on, <laughs> you know you just there's there's the this echo that is very present in your work and so I have to ask you like what's next?
0: you know I think you're gonna resonate with this. Uh the the my personal mission is to help people turn their ideas into reality. And I think you could see that in Baron Fig with the stuff we make, see it in the book. What is next, and what has been just totally taking over my mind for years, because I have not solved this problem, is how do I make the Nike for thinkers? What the hell does that look like? Nike, what Nike does for the body, I want to know what Baron Fig can do for the mind in the same way. And so that what's next is what has been, which is me obsessing over this single challenge and bring it. And you know, as a bonus, the law of stepping away is all about it, you know, if you can't figure it out put it aside. And so I got COVID this summer, first time. And for the first time in like eight years, I had more than a couple days off. I I was in bed for three weeks, went to the ER and everything. It was all disaster, but I'm fine. But it gave me an incredible gift of stepping away for the longest period that I'd ever stepped away. And I have some new ideas that I finally, finally may inch closer to that goal. And I'm excited for what comes in 2023. So for everyone out there, keep, uh, keep your eye on barrenfig.com.
1: Cool company. Congratulations. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. My only regret is that we didn't get you on here sooner, but the timing is impeccable with your new book called the laws of creativity, which this community is, does a really good job of showing up and, uh, well, we're going to time this awesome. show with the launch of the book. Congratulations again. Uh, is there any, you, you've pointed us, obviously, we've pointed to the book. You've pointed us to Baron Figgis. Is there anyone else you'd like to direct our audience's yeah. attention here, our community's attention?
0: Yeah. Well, first, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know I, we turned this around in like a week or something, and I do want to get you that physical book, and I'm going to, for those of you out there who want to check it out. Uh, just go to joeycafone.com slash book. Be able to learn about it. A couple ways to buy it.
1: All sorts of stuff. And Cofone's got an E at the end in case you didn't know, folks.
0: Yeah, C-O-F-O-N-E.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, and for everybody out there, check out uh, Joey's new book. It is truly a work of genius. Very happy to have him on the show here. And let's support him show up. From uh, Joey and myself. Uh, until next time, we bid you adieu. All right, that's all for today's show. But hey, before you go, I want to say thank you for listening and also for engaging with the platform. Wherever you consume the show, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere, thank you so much. Reviews help a ton if you're willing to. And I want to let you know in an effort to continue the topics we explore here on the show, or if you have questions, you can always direct your comments to me on all my social feeds. I'm at Chase Jarvis everywhere, but also I will see your message quicker. If you shoot me a text, that's right. I can text directly with you. The best way is to hit me up at 206-309-5177. I get a lot of text, so I can't always get back to you right in the moment, but trust me, those are my thumbs on the other end of the keyboard. So I want to say thanks so much, and I look forward to engaging with you soon.